I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Hi, I'm Yui Xu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode. Are you all full from <laughs> Thanksgiving? Are you all wearing elastic waist pants? I am. Which is what I live in. <laughs> is it a problem if that's what you were doing before Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> no, not not at all. Not at all. That's like all I own. Now when I see pants with buttons, I'm like, ooh, why? Why would you do that to yourself? I feel like I have to replace my workout pants. And I'm not saying that as someone that's always working out. It's just what I live in now. <laughs> Basically, you know, like I do. Okay, so I do Stitch Fix. This is not sponsored by Mm -hmm. Stitch Fix. This is my personal thing. Although they would be a great Mm -hmm. sponsor. Oh, we would love to be sponsored. Yes. I love it because I'm super lazy in shopping. I used to Mm. love shopping. Like, love it. Like, growing up, Mm -hmm. my grandmother was like, like, that was her hobby, basically, shopping. Mm. And I loved it. And somewhere along the lines, I just lost it completely and Mm -hmm. this shirt i'm wearing now is from stitch fix but what's great about it 
is that they just send you stuff in the mm-hmm. mail. You don't have to think about it. But I was saying the other day that I have like way too many sweaters and jeans from them mm. now. And I was like, oh, maybe I should just cancel. And then I was like, I need to actually just redo the quiz or whatever yeah. and be like all athleisure because that's all I yeah, need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like get the staples that you live in like what what are jeans <laughs> like why why do people wear jeans well i feel like the staples like the yoga pants i wear the problem is because i wear them so frequently they start to like wear down because mm-hmm. they're not like nice i'm not like getting lululemon and like top tier brands mm-hmm. and i wore one the other day and i wore it out my partner was like you should not be in public in that because they were like completely like worked out on one side i'm like i'm out of pants oh my god <laughs> when your partner tells you you should oh, be yeah. wearing those pants <laughs> you know it's a dire situation it's true especially a guy <laughs> yeah uh i've also lost my interest in shopping just because it's such a pain in the ass like to go out yeah. there and be around people so i do online shopping but online shopping it's such a crapshoot you know shit it is that's you. the problem with it yeah it's kind of annoying so i do a lot of returns <laughs> you're more stylish though i feel like at least in la I mean, you probably experienced this moving from sf oh, to yes. la but it seems drastic drastic sf fashion goes to die yeah sf fashion there's like a uniform basically and you, you're like oh i can yeah. just wear this all yeah. the time but yoga pants yeah <laughs> yoga pla- pants uh fleece Sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Uh, company issued logoed sweatshirts. Yeah, you're good. Here, it's like if you do wear that, then you got to wear like something really crazy on the bottom. You know, it's like part of an outfit. Mm. It's a look. <laughs> Like a Google hoodie with like ripped leather pants or something. Oh my God. <laughs> Taking it that it's no longer fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. We, you know, that's all to say that that's nothing related to this episode that we're about to, <laughs> this interview. I was like, it kind of, is I it? Know, you know, appearance, reality, reality TV. I don't know. There's a stretch. There's always a stretch if you find one. Sure. <laughs> like your pants. Uh, reality TV. <laughs> we talk to the girls from Two Black Girls, One Rose, who have this amazing podcast all about reality TV. They break it down. They do the summaries. They talk about some of the hottest shows out there. And they mm-hmm. take it to a whole new level. Like Julie and I can talk about Love is Blind for hours, oh, yeah. but they can talk about it for hours hours like they could talk about all of them not just love is blind like the whole gamut of reality tv (laughs) and i was kind of thinking about this reflecting back on this episode is on one hand we can critique reality tv for shaping our reality so to speak but on the other hand reality tv is a mirror a reflection back Mm -hmm. of what's going on in modern dating and sometimes when you look back and when it's reflected back at you yeah it's alarming. You're like, oh, shit, this is a shit yeah. that's going on in real life. It's not just yeah. for the drama. I'm really glad that we did this crossover. We were also on their podcast, Justine and Natasha. Those are the hosts of Two Black Girls, One Rose. And we were on their podcast to talk about the pick me mentality. You know, like that, I want to be chosen at all costs. Mm-hmm. And you see that on reality TV. It's like, will I get this next rose? Will I progress to the next round? But we also see that in dating culture. Because how many times have we heard from people, I just want to get to the next date. I just want to get that text back. I just want to DTR. And sometimes we don't stop and say, like, do I even like this person that I'm working overtime to get their attention? And 
I'm really glad we did this crossover because you and I were clearly able to bring our expertise on modern dating. And they were like, oh, we hadn't thought about it this way. And then they brought their deep dive knowledge about reality TV. And we were like, yeah, we hadn't connected those dots. <laughs> so, you know, obviously check out us on their podcast too. But this is a great episode. It made me think about reality TV a little differently. And we're not saying that reality TV mimics dating 100%, but it is interesting to see the parallels. I thought you were going to say, and we brought our expertise on reality TV as well, which is true. I mean, we we do. <laughs> Between Julie and I, I think we've got some like the popular reality shows covered. Um, I'm so glad I recently turned her to Bachelor in Paradise, which is my favorite show. And I, I will stand by that. It's, it's so good. I admit that I have not been a big proponent of the Bachelor Me franchise. neither. I don't I've, like it. There was a period. There was a period. It. Yes. Like eight years ago. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I actually am a recent convert to reality TV mm -hmm, dating mm -hmm. shows. Love is Blind is what did it for me. There was something about that show that made me really like get hooked on mm -hmm. it. And my partner still doesn't believe me because I always tell him like, I never really watched this that much. Yes, thank you. You are vouching for yes. me. He's like, yeah, right. You're always watching reality dating no. shows. And I'm like, now I am. Yes. Yeah, I can I can say several years ago, five years ago, you were not this Julie that I know today. I'm so glad that you've nope. come to the dark side. <laughs> I've gone to trash TV world. I've converted. <laughs> but it's still, they're all social experiments, and these are still yes. real people on these shows. So yes, some of it's contrived and scripted, but there are still reactions that you find very relatable. You know, the when the insecurities come out. I find those moments so relatable because mm -hmm. you find that in everyday dating, you know, that's that's what happens. The one part, I'm going to tie it back to your Stitch Fix conversation. The one so you part can tie I, everything back. That is the skill we have. The one part I do not find relatable at all to reality TV is the amount of makeup and the yeah. outfits that they don on these shows. How many hours are they getting ready before they go on camera? Because the cameras start rolling oh, at yeah. like 6 a.m. So are they up at like 3, putting on their lashes, putting on their nails, yeah. putting on their fucking face? Like this is so not relatable. Well, especially Love is Blind when the first part oh, of the show, God. they're not even seeing yeah. the people. <laughs> But they're like, I mean, clearly they're on camera. They're I like get in it. Full cocktail dresses. Yeah. If this was real dating and I wasn't seeing anyone, actually, this was kind of COVID, right? Yeah. Like you were doing a lot of dates on the phone. I love phone over video because I'm like, permission to not get ready at all. Yes. You no. Know? <laughs> permission to be in my pajamas doing a date. Amazing. But if you're going to try to be your truest, most authentic self, wouldn't you be lounging in your PJs and you just, like bedhead. I don't know. I that's the part that's a disconnect for me because that's not reality. Yeah. It reminds me of the scene. Was it in Bridesmaids when she wakes up next to the guy, but she goes and gets ready yeah. first, like puts yeah. on makeup and then comes back to bed. It's like, oh, I just woke up like this. That's what it reminds me of. It's so it's like so not real. I feel like there's been multiple scenes in TV shows like, like that, that do yeah. that. Like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, they had one too. But okay, there is a little bit of reality of this though, right? Yeah. Like when we go on dates... I don't know about you. I wear more. I'm not putting the levels of makeup as these people, but I wear more makeup yes. than I normally do. Okay. Before COVID times, I always wore a dress to dates. Mm -hmm. What? How often do I wear a dress no, yeah. ever? Exactly. Never. 
Exactly. So we're always kind of putting our best face forward. I know. For dates. I know. It, and in some ways, I get it. It's a respect thing. You want to, you're showing that yeah. you respect yourself and you respect the person you're with. So you're putting a little bit more effort. That part I agree with. But to go out there and wear the amount of makeup or to wear the outfit yeah. that you would not ever wear and it's only a date outfit or a date makeup, yeah. that's a little misleading for, for me, I think right? so. But we all do it. All of us do it. We all do I it. I used to wear like the four inch stilettos to dates. So like when else why? would I ever wear it? Why would I torture myself in this? This is such, such a fucking bait and switch because he's going to get in a relationship with me and I'm going to be in sneakers like all the time. So I kind of got like nostalgic about dating the other day because like one of my friends was telling me how her like sister is back dating and, you know, meeting people. And I'm like, oh, there's like a part of me that misses that, yeah. right? Like never knowing what's around the corner, what the night will hold. It's fun. It's exciting. But the part of dating that is not is this, mm -hmm. right? The presentation mm -hmm. and this like feeling like I am need to impress someone. And it, I think this is what makes dating so painful because it's so unnatural. Like I love dating in COVID when I just showed up at the park in my yoga attire mm -hmm. because that was natural and I felt comfortable and I was more focused on making a connection with someone than how I looked and how I was presenting. And I feel like we get so caught in this stuff that we lose track of like, why are we actually trying to date in the first yes, place? Yes, because we're trying to create the reality TV environment on these first couple of dates, yeah. but they're not real because the camera stopped rolling at some point and that face is going to come off at some point. So we got to find a good balance. A few weeks ago, I went on a date with this guy and he said, do you want this date to be casual or do you want this to be like date date? Mm. And I said, let's keep it chill and casual. So we had a really chill like t-shirt and jeans night. And I, I kind nice. of appreciated that there was an, a choice and he was able to think about the two different scenarios. So that's an option. Look at UA back out I there. I know. Did I just reveal I'm back out there? <laughs> but I, I was like, whoa, is this how dating works now? Like you get a choice between <laughs> two different scenarios. It's great. Well, I remember like when I was, you know, in the thick of being super single, I remember going to brunch with our friend Kiana mm -hmm. and she was just like, I wish there was like this radically honest date where you could just like <laughs> lay out everything on the table, just like past traumas, all the deal, like everything that's happened. Happens, you just get super real with the person and it's like in theory I do really like that idea but then it never comes off right because this person is a stranger right and then it just comes off as trauma dumping but I do think like we try to be someone we're mm -hmm. not so often and that's what gets in the way yep I used to go on first dates with like a story in mind you know a persona mm -hmm. like today I'm gonna yeah. be flirty dance instructor UA <laughs> oh god right and then oh, I'm gonna come in with a story about like a student That's in my so class. Reality That's so reality TV. <laughs> and like, yeah, my date would be entertained, but then at the same time, be like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you just came in hot with all these stories and this like this persona about you. Yeah, I was so fucked up. <laughs> oh my god if anyone is a new listener you need to go back to the archives i'm gonna link it in the oh, show shit. Notes of this one just Outing so it's me. easy for people but there is one episode we did back in the day you know what i'm talking yep. about it was called dating on a whim because there was a, a, a dating app whim back oh, then that's no that longer in existence months, yes. yeah <laughs> and you ain't put it out of business i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> we did the opposite for them <laughs> Of what they hoped would today. happen. 
<laughs> no, it was it was actually like I think the best thing that happened for you though, yeah. because you went in thinking like slaying the date, <laughs> entertainer, what you just said basically, like I'm the person and the guy that was like, I just want you to be real. Like, why are you doing this? And it was the wake up call. He's like, that's nice and all, but who are you? Like halfway through that, he's yeah. like, who are you? <laughs> but I do actually, I guess in the vein of reality TV, I love doing those type of episodes when we've done them because mm-hmm. we basically, inter- we had UA and him go on a date and then we interviewed both of them. Yeah. And it is the social experiment. It's the same thing that is drawing us to reality TV is just like living and seeing people interact as like this third party. It's like you're almost like getting this, like the spy vision into someone's life if you look at any reality dating show it's the same progression the first couple dates the conversations like flirty and kind of <laughs> performative you know oh my god i i'm so into my nieces and nephews i love seeing them for the holidays i bring them all these it's like oh it's that god. kind of con- that tone too it's like you have been taught to your niece and nephew and like yeah like <laughs> what are their names <laughs> can you name them yeah. and then when insecurities come out that that's when the voice, the tone of the voice drops. You go to mm-hmm. a lower op- octave. You start speaking much quieter, and then the conversations more about like, I don't, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how I feel mm-hmm. about this person. That's the authenticity. But every reality show goes through that progression. Same with yep. dating. The first couple of dates, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I went to school here, and I grew up here, and I love the <laughs> snow, and I love to hike. Da, 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 da. It's up. Everything is like light, light, light. And then when someone doesn't call you back or there's yep. yeah, there's like some ghosting happening, your voice drops. It's like, I don't know what the fuck happened. That's the real <laughs> you. That's the real. How do we get to that faster? That's always been my question. How do we do like, like fast forward to that? I just like who made up. I mean, some of it's the rules and bad dating books, but I feel like it goes further. It's like mm. someone back in the day decided like, this is how dating works. And we must do these progressions and steps and present this way like how did that even get started yeah it must be some somebody who studied first impressions and said this is how you make a first good impression do you remember uh, maybe you don't remember julie maybe this is like because we're a few years apart maybe this all died by the time you were entered the job (laughs) job force but when i was interviewing for jobs after college i had to wear full suits do you remember that yeah but that was taught to me in college in college, yeah. like when we yeah. did on campus job interviews, we were all told to yep. buy full fucking suits to wear. And now looking back is like, what? Unless you worked on Wall Street, no. what job would you wear a full fucking suit? It's the same thing with, with dating. It's like, why are you, if you're interviewing for this job, why are you acting and presenting yourself in a way that you would never act in that job? Well, I remember I brought all my suits when I moved to San Francisco, and I quickly realized that I looked like a complete and utter fool here because That's good to know. everything is so casual here, right? Like people would show up in the hoodie and you're in a full suit, like you looked ridiculous, but it gives me a little hope for dating. Yeah. Because we'll maybe as a culture, we're getting there, right? Of saying like, you don't need to put on this front. Yeah, we're getting there. I don't know. Okay. Okay, well, we could go on all day, but we get a full episode for you with Justine and Natasha. So excited to bring that to you at Dateable Podcast. That's where you find us. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere. (laughs) 
We're all over the place. We are still changing the name of the Dateable Facebook group from Love in the Time of Corona to something else. We have not forgotten about it. We're just trying to find that right name. Still a discussion, <laughs> but it's happening. Don't worry. But for now, you can find us there too. Yes. Okay, announcements. So our Finding Your Person program is still open. We are so excited for everyone that's already joined. We had a good amount of people that are already locked into the program, but we still have a few spots left. Registration is going to close on Sunday the 3rd. So you have until then to get your spot. Unless we reach capacity beforehand, which has happened in the yes, past, true. <laughs> and that happens, we'll have to close the registration. So the moral of the story is sign up sooner than later because you may miss your chance. Yep. And if you're brand new and you have no idea what finding your person is or FYP, we can call it for short, um, <laughs> it is our flagship program that we've been running now for three years. I think we've been doing it for quite some bit. We've had different cohorts. We probably should start naming these cohorts, but we have had multiple cohorts go through this. We love doing this program. It's all self-paced audio, digital workbooks, and then you also get two check-ins with the two of us. So we love to see your progress throughout. And there's also a bunch of bonuses mm -hmm. you receive too. So we love this program and we're excited to offer it again. Get on it. Okay. And if you want to register, you go to findingyourperson.com. Okay, well, before we keep going, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm 
often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Okay, let's hear it from Justine and Natasha. Reality TV shows, specifically dating shows, would have to be one of my favorite pastimes ever on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or any day that ends with a Y. And I love that our guests today have an entire podcast dedicated to reality shows. We've got Justine and Natasha from Two Black Girls, One Rose podcast talking about how reality dating shows have really shaped the way we look at modern dating, love, and relationships. Welcome to Dateable Ladies. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> chat. We are so excited. <laughs> Who is Natasha? She's 33 years old, lives in New York City, originally from New Jersey, but with Jamaican roots, and she is married. And then we've also got Justine. She's 33 years old from Jersey City, originally from New Jersey. She's African-American and she's in a monogamous relationship. Okay, why do you think we're all so perplexed by reality TV shows? What is the draw there and why are we so invested in them? We can start with Natasha. Sure. I think reality dating as a genre really speaks to so many people. I think because everyone understands love. Everybody has a relationship to love, whether you're single or married or dating like everyone has some feelings and opinions about the world of dating and relationships and love it connects with everyone and I think reality shows often when you're watching they kind of force you to reflect on what you might do in a similar situation it kind of triggers a self-reflection on part of the viewer so as a viewer we're also we're not a contestant in the show but we almost feel like a participant of the show itself I think that's why shows like love is blind really just like capture culture whenever it's on television because we're all watching collectively together and we're all mm. asking, well, I would have done it this way or, you know, I would have done it this way or that happened to me. I This is what I did. And so something about the genre of reality TV in general, but reality dating kind of like puts you into the driver's seat as you're watching. And that's why there's so much debate and discussion with all of these shows. Justine, why do you think people love judging other people's relationships and <laughs> love choices? I think that a lot of these dating shows are a mix between a social experiment and a game mm. show. And I think that's why people enjoy judging them so harshly is because they are currently being judged and they are currently up for debate. I think it's not dissimilar to, I always say this, how men watch sports. There's a lot of men who tell these people who are in much better shape than them to run the ball. And meanwhile, they are barely doing hitting 10 yes, push-ups. Okay? That is true. I think that the kind of like reputation of loving reality shows and loving reality dating shows is very much tainted because women are the audience, the main target. Mm. Do you think it's more the judging? 
ending? Or do you think there is an element of people wanting the happily ever after? Like, is there any of that? Or is it purely judging? (laughs) You know what? I think people are judging because they want the happily ever after. They're like, why are you doing that? You guys could be together forever if you just put your narcissism to the side. (laughs) The judging um, is coming from a good place. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Some people who we watch, let's say like Bartise from mm-hmm, Love is Blind, mm-hmm. for example. Like, we don't really want to see him win very <laughs> often. But then most people who we want to see, we want to see them win, we want to see them fall in love, and we want to be there for the whole ride. And what about you two? Like, what got you specifically interested into the reality dating genre? Like, were you going through things in your dating life? Or mm. was there another reason that you were drawn to it? It's funny, because when we first started our podcast coming up on six years ago, we were both single. Like, single as a dollar bill, two mm. best these run around New York going out like looking for our husbands like that was like <laughs> the space we were in when we started and we started our podcast with The Bachelor Bachelor Bachelorette Bachelor Nation so that's kind of where we got our start but beyond just Bachelor Nation reality dating as a genre has really taken off you'd see Netflix has invested heavily in this genre with yeah. Love is Blind and The Ultimatum and mm-hmm. it's not that we were going through anything specifically in our dating life that kind of like propelled us we initially got our start because we were watching Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette. We're having a blast getting together, watching Mm -hmm. the show and chatting about it and seeing this Black woman have her journey for love. But Mm -hmm. other podcasts and other commentaries, it felt like they were watching a different show than what we were watching. Mm. So we wanted to kind of bring our own specific lived experience as Black women dating and looking for love and kind of talk about those challenges or tribulations, but also have fun watching the TV show. And then I think just over the years, like reality dating as a genre has just really been heavily invested in. And, you know, shows like Love is Blind are global shows where now everyone is talking about it. And so it's giving us space to really add our voice to the conversation and just spark interest in conversation. Justine, I'm curious to know from you, because these are reality shows, the word reality is in them. But we Mm -hmm. know, I have Mm -hmm. many friends who work in reality television, a lot of it is scripted, a lot of it is thrown in there by the producers, a lot of it is contrived. But there's still an element of reality somewhere, right? So where do you see the convergence between the shows and reality? That's a good question. I think it would depend on the show. And I think it depends on what season the show is in. I think the earlier the show, Mm. the more authentic the cast. I could see that. Yes. Right? We've seen that. Me and Natasha were just talking about how the state of Texas really doesn't need to be filmed any longer (laughs) um, for reality television shows. They're going through it. They really need to just... (laughs) Halt production on all <laughs> reality dating shows in Texas because it just is not. Married at First Sight was horrendous in Houston. Interesting. Love is Blind Ooh. this season was the Train worst. Wreck. So bad that I saw a Time Magazine article yeah. about it. Like it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is interesting, but I think that's one of the conversions, right? I think Love is Blind Dallas, when Bartise and Nancy had to talk about abortion in front of his entire mm-hmm. family, that was reality. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's reality. <laughs> All right. So I feel like what's coming to mind for me, do you remember that show Dating Around on Netflix? Oh, yes, we love we Dating love Around. Dating around. I feel like yeah. that one was like, Okay, like people love that show, but it was also like kind of banal at the same time because like not much was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, was it the best TV? I don't know. Until they like hit that point where there was conflict and people just erupted. But the everyday date was a little 
you know, uneventful. But I think that one actually mm-hmm. depicted reality probably more than others because most dates are uneventful. Like, are there any other shows that you feel like you're like, oh, this actually could happen in dating? Swiping America is a show that came on HBO. We recapped it a few months ago Yes, that we often equated to dating around, actually, because it was very much showing just the banality and sometimes boringness of dating. Like you're literally texting, you're swiping, you're having these conversations, you're talking with your friends, like very, very little producer intervention. They were literally just letting these people date. It was four New Yorkers. They were dating around the country, swiping at each city that they went to. And we really enjoyed it. We had great conversation Mm -hmm. that came from it because we weren't talking about made up drama. We were talking specifically Mm -hmm. about these people's like actual reality. But what I liked about it was it really captured just modern day dating right now, which is very much around swiping culture and dating apps and how to craft a message and Mm -hmm. showing it to your friend to kind of get help with the message or he texted me this what do I say like a lot of those in that like small minutia moments that can maybe appear boring on television but I found it really interesting to kind of see these people Mm -hmm. in their very natural habitat dating so swiping America definitely is one I think if you like dating around to check that out Do you think there is anything about that show? Like, let's say you're in the thick of dating. Like, would you actually get insight that would help your dating life? Or is it more just showing what dating is like? I think so. Like on Swiping America, there was a woman, Reagan, who was cast on the show. I mean, I'm not currently swiping and looking for someone, but I felt like I could learn a lot from her and how she crafted her messages. I thought she Mm. was really interesting Mm. in how she like really showed her personality in getting conversations started with guys. If I was dating and swiping and watching the show, I would probably pick up some tips from her just in terms of she was very much like a quirky kind of person but she kept her expectations low which I think is usually a good thing when you're out there swiping mm-hmm. and you could tell she was invested in just wanting to have a good conversation with someone like not mm. trying to make this man her husband but yeah you know, let me just say something yep, funny right. and see how he takes it and I think kind of watching mm-hmm. that approach was refreshing I think people dating who are kind of feeling like the apps are getting stale or they're getting annoyed or whatever even just watching her and her approach you might learn a new approach and kind of like take it into your you know toolbox as you're swiping well that's so funny because that's like the exact opposite of love is blind where you're like going to the (laughs) altar yeah and there's so much pressure yeah like when you're on an island like there's so much about reality tv show that's so far from reality like on the (laughs) flip side like what would you Mm -hmm. say is stuff that maybe has been ingrained in us that's just not realistic at all i think the level of romance that you can get to as quickly as these people yes. get to. I think it is outrageous <laughs> that a lot of these girls on The Bachelor, particularly when The Bachelorette is the star, will say, he planned this for me. And it's so yeah. obvious. That it's <laughs> no. Right. He literally doesn't even have like access to his right. bank account at the moment. <laughs> right. He doesn't even have access to a phone to make a reservation. Like this is so obvious right. that like this did not actually happen. And so I think those, even those little small narratives of like, mm. I'm so happy he mm-hmm. did this for me. That's not true. <laughs> so I think that even when I'm watching and when we're recapping, I have to like take my blinders yeah. off for the podcast itself and be like, oh my God, no, that didn't happen. We don't know if he's that nice or it's not. It's dangerous too. You're like, right. why is it my partner it is, yeah. planning a hot air balloon for me? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's odd because every date is a grand gesture. 
They're sitting at a table in mm-hmm. water and swans are swimming around. <laughs> How many mm-hmm, dates have mm-hmm. you been on like that when you're in a relationship? Like they don't show the moments of them sitting on the couch on a Sunday yeah. talking or like giving each other foot massages. We don't see any of mm-hmm. that. I guess that's boring to watch on reality TV. That's so far from reality to me. Yeah, I think the closer thing to reality is the smaller moments when you like snap when <laughs> like for me, my moments are like, what do you want to eat? And he's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, babe. What, what do you want to eat? And I want to choke him out. <laughs> <laughs> so those things to me like are funny and I think very relatable and I think it would be a lot of fun to watch. But I am also somebody who would watch Dating Around, who would watch Living America. I like watching people live their everyday life. So I'm not the voice for these producers and everything. So can you think of one show that is as far from reality as possible in the dating reality genre? Every last one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Most of them are, though. I mean, I think just a lot of these producers are really just trying to find the straight RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And they're trying to find whatever is going to create the same economy, fandom, and stardom that comes off of a show like Drag Race. And they, like, can't figure it out. And so they're trying all these extremes and it's just not really working out. Like, I think Love is Blind got nominated for an Emmy last year. Mm-hmm. But definitely not this year. <laughs> they are definitely out the running. So. Well, if there's a show that comes to mind that's like really, really out there. And I actually really love this show. Last season was not the greatest, but Temptation Island. I don't know if you yeah. guys have watched that one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Temptation Island is like a true social experiment, which yes. is what makes it really interesting to watch. Because, I mean, from the the premise is ridiculous. Like, I don't know why anyone would sign up for this show to, you know, take <laughs> no. their relationship of 10 years to Temptation Island, where he gets to now be in a house with single women. Like, I don't know why. Like, that within itself seems so realistic. But it is like a true social experiment. And it's very fun far from reality because that's not normal to like your person has like a hall pass and you also have a hall pass and then at the end you're gonna see if it's gonna Mm -hmm. work out it's like so outlandish but on temptation island when it works it works like when at the end there's a couple that comes back together and they're like this is what we needed like i learned so much about myself (laughs) like i didn't make out with any girls i just talked to them and i just learned about my feelings like it's so stray far from reality but then when it somehow comes together you're like oh okay there is kind of like a method to the madness kind of (laughs) i guess i'm really glad we're talking about the ones that are like really far out because i think most people can see like okay the odds of me being on some random remote island with all these strangers probably not gonna happen in our everyday dating lives but i think a lot of these shows (laughs) there are messages that start to seep into dating culture consciously Mm. or unconsciously we want to go through a few of these with you and get your take on Mm. some of the stuff that we're seeing from reality tv that goes to dating culture Mm -hmm. so the first one that we really see is this like pick me mentality and i think the whole like bachelor like who's gonna get the rose who's gonna progress to the next round we see daters all the time being like i need to get to date number two i need to get to date number three even at the detriment that they're like do i even like this person i've never stopped to ask myself how do you see this pick me mentality going into dating culture I don't know if that's because of The Bachelor. Okay. I feel like that's (laughs) overall, right? Mm. I would assume so. I think Pick Me 
has been around for a really long time. And I think that's like a patriarchal societal Mm -hmm. thing. I don't know if that's like spawned from rose ceremonies necessarily. Maybe not started, but I think perpetuated like this feeling of like dating as a competition more. Yeah. And I think like with the whole pick me mentality, at least how we see it displayed on reality dating shows is just kind of the lack of like intentionality, like women wanting to be chosen, wanting to be picked, wanting to maybe beat out another girl, maybe to boost their own ego or feel good about themselves, but not really ever questioning if they even like the person. And I can see how Mm -hmm. that could appear in how this definitely does already appear even without TV shows in modern dating. There's sometimes an exhaustion that comes Mm -hmm. with dating just in general. And so sometimes you reach a point where you're like, I just want someone to choose me. I just want the guy that likes me, you know? (laughs) It's interesting. We're recapping Golden Bachelor right now where there's Mm -hmm. a senior bachelor and a group of senior women. And last episode, a woman went home and her reason was like, you have your top and I'm not in the top and that's fine for me and I'm going to go. And we talked about it because that rarely ever happens on The Bachelor Bachelorette. Like these girls are just trying to make it through the end. Like you can tell they don't have a connection with this dude, like (laughs) they want to be chosen and they also want to beat out the other girls and they want to be picked. And they're not really thinking like, I can also pick this guy. Like if I'm not feeling it, I can also go home and I could see in modern dating how that appears as well. Yeah. It's also, I get it when you're in that environment where it's like, this is the last guy on earth. (laughs) You only have Mm -hmm. this guy to choose Mm -hmm. from. You're like, I better start (laughs) Mm -hmm. developing feelings for him because I have no other options. (laughs) So he better pick Mm -hmm. me. Yep. The funny part is that we see daters do that when there are like thousands of options, right? On dating apps, but you get in your head, like this is the last person on earth. So it's kind of an interesting parallel. And I think it's that exhaustion, too. Yeah. Like, you yeah. tell yourself, like, this better be the last one. This is the last right. guy. Like, <laughs> I think you just get exhausted mm-hmm. that you just, like, are done with trying to choose and weed through and just want somebody to finally end this chase and just pick you. I'm curious, have you done an analysis on these dating shows where, like, the man picks a woman or the woman picks a man, the success rate post-show? I was curious because I feel like the first 10 seasons of Bachelor versus Bachelorette, there was a stat that when the woman picks, the success rate is a lot lower than when the man picks. I don't know if you've ever looked at any of those numbers. I was going to say in Bachelor Nation, it's actually the reverse. The Bachelorette yeah. has more successful marriages. Much higher success rate. Yeah, yeah. than The Bachelor. Oh. And then there's also an Instagram account, Bachelor Data, who is a data scientist. And she does like extensive deep dive analyses into just like literally anything. Like with, if you get the first suppression rows, like how long do you last? She does a lot of cross analysis, a lot of different data points and has done a lot of comparison between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So when the man is versus one is the women. But in Bachelor Nation, the women leads. Why do you think that is? I think usually the women in the past couple of years that we've been watching the show have been older than the men have been. And I think that's a big part of it. I think that women don't get distracted nearly as easily as men do in this particular environment. And it's just like very obvious by everybody's last few episodes right? Like no woman, woman bachelorette has topped 
Colton jumping a fence over the corner. Like that was outrageous. <laughs> he was went completely unhinged. And while we know now he was indeed unhinged. <laughs> yep. It's just something that like a woman, I think can compose herself a little bit more in that environment than a man can. Mm-hmm. I think the next one that I feel like is very prevalent in reality TV is like this marriage is the end goal. Like, Especially with the stakes, like, I mean, love is blind, I feel like, even (laughs) just getting into a relationship after not seeing someone for all that time would be normal. But having to propose and get married, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like all this just perpetuates that. What's your take on that side of things? Yeah. The marriage is the end goal in these shows is what really makes it a social experiment. Definitely people in like outside of reality want to get married. I don't know if people are holding it as like, this is the ultimate holy grail. I can never be anything worthy unless I get married. But on the shows, they really just lean into it being a competition in some way or really lean into it being an experiment, wanting to raise the stakes. And how do you do that? You give the ultimate prize at the end, which is marriage, which Mm. of course makes good TV, makes people go crazy (laughs) like in the process. I don't know if it's affecting us as we're approaching dating. I think it is, as I said, very individual. There's some people that just like marriage is their ultimate thing. They're going after it. And then some people who are kind of dating casually or dating for their own yeah the marriage is the end goal is like a very interesting thing (laughs) with these shows yeah i agree and if i may just add really quickly that in america specifically we don't have any like royalty Mm. and i think people get obsessed with married couples because Mm -hmm. who are famous and elevated Mm. because we don't have a like royal family royal couple to kind of like look towards or infantilize the same way that other countries do that being said married at first site uk is like huge like love is blind uk is coming next season like it's not like exclusive but i think that that's part of it is a lot of people hold up people like lauren and cameron from love is blind so highly because they're like the king and queen (laughs) right we have like a lot of like prom king and queen bs that we kind of like throw around all the time around these reality shows and i think that for a lot of people who go into these shows as cast members is the prize I want to be the new Lauren and Cameron of this mm-hmm. franchise oh. and worshipped oh, yes. by a fan. Interesting. Oh. Because that's better than $100,000 down the middle. <laughs> I can tell you right now, Lauren and Cameron got way more yeah. than that. So I think that is part of it too. Yeah. Because we grew up in a generation where we really don't have role models for good relationships. I mean – older generations are really fucked up. So we're like, somebody, somebody show us what a good relationship looks like. What you're saying about the royal family, that's super fascinating because, yeah, we really don't have a North Star. So we keep wanting to fill that with these reality TV stars or celebrities and what they represent. But then people get but hurt when they break up. There's just always like, oh my God, they're getting a divorce. Yeah. And then there's like the shock. And like, then you step back and you're like, are you really shocked that this didn't work <laughs> out? Why are we I so know. attached I mean, to their it's outcome? Like, it's like the same thing I think with Will and Jada that's happening mm-hmm. right now. I think the backlash that is on her is pretty strong because none of us were, I want to be in this conversation. We all wanted to, as one of our Facebook members said, exit out the group chat. We didn't really want to be in this and now we're in it. But they were one of those pinnacle couples and they were a black couple 
who had immense success across racial lines, right? Like for Jada Pinkett and Will both to be famous and not just black famous is a huge deal. And to still be married after 26 years, however long is a huge deal. And for them to just say, oh, you know what? That was all fake for the past six years. And buy my book is very hurtful to people. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there is this weird thing. I know, like, Natasha, you betcha, not everyone has marriage as the end goal. And I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. But there is this weird piece of society that has, even though it's outdated, like, hasn't caught up yet to that. That's like, if you're married, then you're winning. Like, you are you know, killing it at life. And if you are single, you are the loser. And there is like this mentality that keeps perpetuating through all of this. It's interesting. Like when I'm watching these shows with my partner, he's always like, who's winning? And I'm like, this is love is blind. Like they're not in competition (laughs) with each other. (laughs) But people do see, you know, like I think Mm -hmm. like it's like the couples that end up at the altar saying, yes, there is this like subconscious of like this person won the show even Mm. though they're not really because they're Mm. the ones that made it to the marriage track. Yeah. I think we don't Mm -hmm. have enough conversation around like being single and single being a beautiful possibility, a beautiful choice for some people. Yeah, We're always talking about it in a very negative space. You're single now, but you know, there's something good coming for you on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where that tension comes in because we're not really having a conversation about singleness and singledom in a positive light and as a potential choice that you can also make yeah, or a possibility that you can also find beauty in and self-love or still have relationships with people. You know, it just might look different, might not be in a monogamous, like heteronormative sense. And so I think that's where I was having a conversation with a friend actually this week who I always say she's like my one friend who she's single. She's like single and chilling. Like I've never seen someone so just like content in her singleness and it's beautiful, but it's, it seems odd because usually they're like single and like riled up and like trying to find something looking. Yeah. And she's really just like single and chilling and she's been kind of toying with the idea of like is marriage for her does she want to be married like I really admire her because she's been having this conversation with herself around singleness being a option and it is an option you know you can weigh both you can weigh being with a partner and having a life partner and you can weigh the option of just wanting to be with yourself and I don't think most people have that conversation with themselves that's why she was kind of struggling to figure out I don't even know who to talk 
to about this because no one has had this viewpoint of singleness. And so she really just kind of pointed that out to me that it's a possibility and it can be a choice and it can be a beautiful one. And we should probably talk more about it. I think that's what one of the best moments on Love is Blind, for me at least, was when Deep Tea chose herself. I think a lot of people really resonated with that. And it it's what you were just saying, Natasha. It's like there was this feeling of like she is actually better off alone. And like, can we celebrate that? Mm -hmm, So glad that that came through, even though marriage was still the goal in that Mm -hmm. show. I'm glad she was able to like break through. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, I think Deep Deep, that's a great example of a moment where we were all happy for the marriage Mm -hmm. and the end goal to not come to fruition. It'd be nice to have more moments like that celebrated and even seen. Well, because for a reality TV show, you need an objective. But if you just have a bunch of single and happy people, there's no objective. They're just (laughs) doing life, you know, living their best life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's not as interesting to, I wonder if there is a way to do that. But the flip side of that idea is my favorite show, Bachelor in Paradise, which I think is like one of the most toxic shows on television. But how ridiculous is it? It's all these people getting together, trying to form connections. And the only way to stay on the island is if you're coupled up. So they manipulate each other and they feel safe once they get the rose and then they get to advance to the next round. But you never know who's coming down the stairs and that person could pull you away any day because all connections are threatened every single day. That gives me so much anxiety to think about as like. Oh my gosh, is that how reality is? Is that how single life is? It's like every day you're looking for someone to save you so you can live to the next day. (laughs) (laughs) So you stay alive. When you break it down like that, it is very similar to dating. Like you're, you go on a date with a guy, it's going well. And you went home and went back on the apps and you know, he went back home and went on the apps. And so you're hoping he doesn't find somebody good. You're hoping he calls you, hoping nobody comes down to the beach and steals you. It's like very, very similar. I've never thought of paradise in that way, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. messed up when you think about it. <laughs> it's, it's it so is. I think the other part that's so messed up to me is just like what the definition of dateable is. Like this is another topic I want to get your take on, like on these shows. Like I feel like Love is Blind is a perfect example. Like the whole point is are these people going to fall in love with these people that they don't know what they look like? But then all of them are like gorgeous. Like no one on that show. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, this does not actually hit this experiment. And then I think actually you guys said it, like there's no one on the bachelor that's like, over a size six is that accurate mm-hmm. like something like that yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah no body yeah, diversity definitely. yeah 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 and i feel like golden bachelor is like the first instance now where we're actually seeing like older people like in other shows too they've tried to hide the ages like ultimatum it came out that all these people were like in their 30s and they like changed their age to be in their 20s so yeah it's just like perpetuating a lot of these stereotypes i'm curious what your takes are on that i think it just shows the hatred that the entertainment industry has for body diversity and for diversity as a whole i think we went through a lot of fakery in the most recent years as millennials especially through the media space we're having a great moment for black media isolated right we have insecure we have abbott elementary we have all kinds of shows that are coming out that are all just in their own corner run by very specific people And they're over there where everybody can watch them. But I think when it comes to reality dating, there's some things that have to be faced, right? Like Rachel Lindsay had a racist on her show 
and they cast him because they thought it would be fun. That's a huge issue. I don't know, but I feel like whoever made that decision probably still works there. So uh, I think we can be very isolated, despite the fact that our worlds have gotten so much bigger with social media and with media in general. But I think that overall, we want to watch pretty people run around, shop and fall in love and go on dates. And that's it. When you ask the question about dateable, like who's dateable or what are these shows? telling us about that conversation. I thought of this season with Love is Blind with Johnny. She was the lawyer who had what she was calling 8,000 red flags with her past. And that was her narrative that she was perpetuating, that she's a mess and her past ex was an addict and she was married before and blah, blah, blah. And I think her conversation or it just brought up a conversation about like baggage, how much baggage is appropriate. You know, should Johnny have been cast on the show? Is that too much baggage? Is she dateable? It brought a lot of conversation around that. And people are in varying degrees of that. There's people who relate it to Johnny and they don't want to be told that they're not dateable. Like she deserves to be there looking for love too, right? But then there's people who are like, well, no, because Izzy, you know, he had every right to, you know, decide not to go with her because it might be too much for him and that's fine for him to make that decision. So I think it is interesting with the show casting people that have a diversity of dating backgrounds for us to all kind of collectively ask like what's dateable for you where would you draw your lines who's a dateable option for you and it's going to vary per person but it is interesting for us to like reflect on that when we watch through these characters and i'm glad that industry is changing even though it's slow it's changing I mean, with golden bachelor you know that yeah. they're like okay our franchise is kind of dying right now we can't have the same white guy <laughs> mm-hmm. every season we got to change it up let's just make the white guy old at least that's something that's like some <laughs> sort of progress there some innovation <laughs> yes <laughs> it's something and for so long i felt like they were just creating the same characters and just putting a different color on them like every asian girl i saw on these reality tv shows i'm like that's just the same white girl but just asian is like yeah different color but i'm starting to see the variation it's coming because i think as an audience it is our responsibility to reflect feedback by watching or not watching i stopped watching the bachelor because i was so sick of seeing the same faces the same mm-hmm. bodies from season yep. to season and the networks are picking up on that are you also seeing these changes and what other areas are you seeing that other than body diversity and ethnic diversity Yeah, I think progress is definitely slow in the Bachelor Nation realm. Um, We saw them cast Matt James as the first Black Bachelor. That was a hot mess of a season. We're seeing now (laughs) Gary, the Golden Bachelor. People are loving it. I'm loving it. I'm having a blast watching this season. So I think they're kind of slowly but surely kind of trying to innovate, but also not alienate their very like white female middle America Mm -hmm. audience. I think that's what's happening in Bachelor Mm -hmm. Nation. But thankfully, outside of that, one of our favorite shows this past year was The Ultimatum, Queer Love. Mm -hmm. Yes. I thought Mm -hmm. it was so good. The casting was done so well and casting these couples that were a bit older, that had more mature relationships, Mm -hmm. also exposing viewers to communities of people that they might not otherwise have much exposure to brought a lot of great conversation and that's a netflix show so we saw that netflix is at least Mm -hmm. trying to kind of open up conversation of diversity there and i think another show that justine and i really love couples therapy you guys watch that yes yes such a good show fantastic show so good and yeah really every season we've seen it's just like the full gamut of relationships i mean we've seen interracial couples we've seen queer couples Mm -hmm. we've seen Yep. A couple between a trans woman and a and a man, I think. Um, and 
um, again, just gives viewers exposure to communities we might not not see. Um, so there's other shows that are doing the work. There's other shows that are um, um, at least dabbling with for the sake of trying to attract more viewers and just better conversation <laughs> is not just showing us the same, you know, white man, white woman that we've been seeing for years on some on, let's say, The Bachelor, for instance. Yeah, I'm really glad that this progress is happening. Like, do you see this seeping into people's self views or views around dating? Like you kind of alluded to this a little, Natasha, like the people that are saying like, oh, is Johnny not dateable because she has quote unquote baggage? Do you see that happening and that evolving with these changes? Or do you think people are able to like separate and just be like, this is media being media? I don't think media has done that good of a job yet to have people who are in marginalized see themselves in the people in media. I don't think we're there yet. I'm not going to give them that much credit. Mm -hmm. I think it takes a little bit more work than what we've seen. Another show I was just thinking about is like Indian matchmaking mm -hmm. and such a good show. Yeah, great show. And just kind of seeing Auntie Seema, who's this very <laughs> polarizing, polarizing is the polarizing word. Character. Yes. character yeah. And her flat out saying to people, like, you're not dateable, or flat out saying, like, that you got to lower your standards. Like, even just seeing that has been very stark, but that's brought great conversation, I think, and has us questioning for ourselves as viewers like what are we acceptable with what are the standards we want to set not based on what auntie Seymour or what the media is telling us but it has us question our own kind of standards and method of dating for ourselves yeah there are some moments i still will say there are some moments i think short kings are having a moment <laughs> i think women need to get over the height thing in general yeah. but i think the media is starting to get there i just find this so interesting attraction is reflected back to us from what we see on TV. Yeah. So the more we see of a certain type, the more we are attracted to that. The more we see the short kings on TV mm -hmm. being picked by these women, the more we will see that on dating apps and be like, oh, five, five. Yeah. That's good for me. Right. So I think that does bleed into society eventually. If there is a lag, it will take some time. We yeah. might not see in our generation for all the changes, <laughs> but at least we're making yeah. some sort of change there. I will say Asian men mm -hmm. have definitely had. Oh, yes. For a long time. That's a good time. example. Yes. And I have said on our podcast, I'm like, we were missing out on all these fine ass <laughs> men just because mm -hmm. you all had like a subscription right. that Asian men mm -hmm. were not attractive to uh -huh. the grand scheme of everybody. I think that is crazy. Crazy. It is crazy that like we need media to like tell us. Like I'm not saying like we do it consciously, but it is right. kind of fucked up when you think about it. It's their yeah. job. It's their job. Yes. And they have a very important job and they know it. And that's why I'm very reluctant to give them credit yeah. because they know exactly what they're doing. So here's another one that kills me is Fuckboy Island. Okay. Like I feel like it perpetuates <laughs> this thing that there's nice guys and fuckboys. And we've heard this like for mm. listeners and people that have written in, it's like, I don't want to settle for the nice guy. So then they end up with like the situationship that doesn't give a fuck about them. But there's like so mm -hmm. much in the middle. Like you can find such a great person that doesn't need to be like the nice, stereotypical, boring person versus like the fuck boy. What's your take on like those two like parameters and like polarities and how much they are emphasized? 
Fuckboy Island is such a fun one because they really lean into like the polarizingness of the yeah, F boy yeah. and the and the nice guy because we all know like nice guys are also fuckboys. <laughs> you know, like we yeah. also know that there's <laughs> a lot of gray area there for sure. Another thing that came to mind, we just watched this on Love is Blind actually with Chris who ended yeah. up oh, with yeah. Johnny in the end. Yeah. He, we were literally calling him like Sweet Cherub Chris during our recaps, ah. and then he just like blew mm. everyone away mm. during the reunion when mm-hmm. he turned out to be a fuckboy. And even just watching him, that created a lot of conversation as to like, there's no nice guys. Like everybody has the potential to be a, a, an f boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's just allowing us women to kind of commiserate. That's kind of why I love F Boy Island with Nikki Glaser. Like her whole job as the host is to just roast these guys like <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, put them in their place and, you know, empower the women there. We're watching, you know, three leads kind of really have the power of trying to like cut through these F boys. And so I think it just it makes it a fun watch for women who are on an everyday basis dealing with trying to decipher if the guy that they're talking to is actually a quote unquote nice guy, which maybe that's not the right term, but if he is going to just show up and be exactly who he presents or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If anything for FBoy Island, I think I just love that piece of it. Just the commiseration that it allows us all women to kind of like (laughs) lead into. It's true. That's such a great show. So funny. Like so bad, but it's so funny as well. Personal question for both of you. You're both in relationships. (laughs) What is the appeal of dating shows? Why is this still so interesting to you to pick apart single people? It's not even about picking apart single people. I mean, the road to find my husband was like a long, treacherous road. Like I spent, (laughs) we met on Hinge. I like deep in the online dating space for the five, six years I was dating and, you know, living in New York. And I learned a lot about myself through the dating process. And my husband is like my first real relationship worth noting you know and I've learned so much about relationships and communication stuff through him but also giving myself a lot of credit of what I brought in based on all the self-work that I did with dating and being with myself and I don't know I've just always been interested in the concepts of dating and relationships and how people show up for each other and with online dating the a lot of like peacocking and presentation we have to do to kind of like yeah. get people to notice mm-hmm. us and I'm in a group text with a bunch of my single friends I'm like the only one in a relationship in that text and it's just them back and forth just sharing like insights on dates they've been on or screenshots of things and just the sisterhood even that is mm-hmm. surrounded by us trying to find our life partner together yeah. and what I'm learning and what'd you learn girl and us kind of like sharing and not having to feel so alone in doing it is why even now that I'm married I enjoy talking about dating I enjoy talking with my friends about Mm -hmm. dating I enjoy watching relationships play out on television and seeing what I can learn from them or what we can take away from them and I think these shows really spark such interesting conversations yeah Again, even with the Indian matchmaking, as I said, Auntie Seema's whole like 60%, you can only expect 60 or 70% out of a man. Like we had a really deep conversation about, is there some truth in that? Or is she all the way wrong? And it really forces you to reflect in a way that television doesn't always, sometimes it just serves Mm -hmm. as pure entertainment. But I think reality does have that ability to really make you reflect and relate it back to your life, your friends, and kind of like make it more of like a communal thing. Because dating solo, Mm -hmm. dating on your own can be very exhausting and scary and annoying and all those feeling so why do it alone do it while watching tv with somebody or do it in the group text with your friends yeah i think the same i love all reality shows i'm a huge real housewives fan (laughs) but 
I also love kind of more intellectual deep dives like couples mm-hmm. therapy. Couples therapy is really, I'd be like yelling at the TV, like how men yell at the TV on Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> I really am into that show. And part of it is that I just really like the human experience and watching it. I'm a huge extrovert. I have lots and lots of friends. I also currently live Mm -hmm. by myself and so I enjoy watching reality tv shows for those reasons as well and I think like Natasha said and has said on our podcast too everybody is either looking for love in their life or has love in their life in some way and the best part of these shows is when all the wives get together and talk about the husbands when all the husbands get together and they talk about the wives that's part of the the best nugget of the show come out of those conversations so it's not necessarily just about us like coming in as people in relationships and shitting on single people that's definitely not the goal of what we're trying to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i hope that that's not what we come Mm -hmm. off as but it really is just us looking at how people are navigating through relationships Mm -hmm. where in a country, in a time, in a kind of place where it's really hard to navigate yeah. those relationships these days. People don't leave you anymore the same way that they left you. You can just keep up yeah. with people if you want to. You can always find someone if you want to. That is crazy. We're all adapting to that now. And our parents can't give us advice on that stuff. So we have to do things like watch reality TV <laughs> and figure out, okay, when do I block this part? Like, when is it really time <laughs> to, like, to really take it there? So part of it is that we're navigating issues that our parents can't give us advice on. We have to learn from each other on these things. Yeah. It's really interesting because we kind of started this whole thing about how like reality TV, there's a lot of like judgment that's like brings us together to like look at others and how they're doing things. But I like this positive spin on like reflecting a bit more. Like what else do you think that people can take away from reality TV shows that actually like help them with their own dating lives and enhance their love lives. I think finding kind of solace and acknowledging and seeing that dating is difficult. You're not alone in that moment of the month where you're like, I just want to get off the apps. Like we all, whether you're on the apps or not, you see it on TV. Dating is just hard to find your person, to find, especially if you believe in monogamy, you're one person out of the 9 billion people on this planet. Like it's hard and it's okay if you want to like take a break from the apps for a second and just lean into TV and see somebody (laughs) else struggling and just like (laughs) take on their struggle instead of your own. As I said, like this, what I really enjoy about my group test is like the sisterhood of us trying to make this thing fun yeah and i think even on our podcast like we definitely have a lot of deep nuanced conversations around dating but at the end of it we really are just having fun just like watching yeah. these people kind of navigate a journey that we both navigated as well and know very well you know being single out here in these streets trying to find our husbands so i think that's what they can take away which is maybe like a very cliche answer but it, it's it's true dating is tough it is tough to find your person it's difficult and it's okay to like try to find some joy and humor in it and these shows can bring a lot of that to you it can make it a little less scary and down in the doldrums when you can just watch you know some f boys and f boy island get roasted by the people <laughs> like i mean just bring some joy to it you know <laughs> yeah i mean this has been such a great conversation i mean i think the biggest takeaway i have from all of this is reality tv at the end of the day is still entertainment it can be a way to open up conversations mm-hmm. but the more we can remember that it's set up in a certain way this isn't like gonna seep into our dating lives and probably like anything you learn from there like a surface level face value deserves to be dove into instead of just being like oh yeah like i meet my person and six weeks later i'm gonna get 
get married. Like clearly like that's not the way the world works. And like, we can't take this stuff that's happening on TV and expect like, oh, I'm just going to have this instant chemistry and like get whisked away on a hot air balloon. <laughs> like some of the stuff we were talking about at the top of like the expectations it's setting. Like we have to remember that that's not reality. But this part about using it to dig deeper, I think that's really rich. And how do you, instead of being like in a judgment zone, like I feel like I'm guilty of this. Like I remember I like made fun of Amber from season one of Love is Blind because she snorted and my partner's like, you do that too. Like who cares, you know? (laughs) And I feel like we can get all high and mighty, you know? (laughs) We can get all high. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no one is perfect including yourself like these people are just putting themselves out there it's like how instead of picking them apart can you use this to learn and have discussions with your friends I love that or to listen to your podcast or to dive in deeper in this topic that's what I think actually reality tv is here for not for some of the stuff historically that we've thought it's here for Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Use it to reflect. Use it as a tool for reflection and conversation with yourself or with others. That's the most expectation you can have on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And take it with a grain of salt because we also have to understand it's a certain personality who would sign up for reality TV and it's not everyone. Honestly. So we're only seeing one side of humanity. It's not the whole picture. My other takeaway is I feel like reality TV can be like art. It's not what you interpret, it's what your reaction Mm -hmm. is to it. And everybody can have a different reaction, and which is why I love your podcast, because you bring yourself into the show. It's like, why did I react that way when these two didn't work out? Or why did I react this way when he said this one thing? So we don't project our feelings onto other people and the characters we're watching. It's more like, oh, I'm seeing this reflected back at me. And this is really getting to me. And I want to be more curious about why that is. And it goes into, Julie, what you're saying about getting deeper with this and really reflecting on why does this show even matter? My final thought, too, is I'm really glad, like, from this conversation, though, that we are seeing changes in reality TV, like in the demographics that it's part of and what's showcasing, because it is kind of on us to, as society, to not accept what entertainment gives us, but to also get into entertainment's air a little and be like, no, this is actually reality. Yeah, make demands. Exactly. Yeah, it might not happen overnight, but I'm glad that we like address that shift Mm -hmm. is happening. So love this conversation. Ladies, if people want to hear your podcast, learn more about each of you, where can they go? Give us all the links. We're currently covering F-Boy Island season three. Really fun. You can listen to those episodes on all podcast platforms. And then we also have a Patreon where we cover Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise right now on patreon.com slash two black girls, one rose. And yeah, you can listen to us everywhere. We just wrapped up Love is Blind. We've done Married at First Sight, Swiping America, Queer Love. So if you (laughs) eat up all those Netflix reality dating shows, we've probably done them. (laughs) Just look into the archive and you can find some episodes. And yeah, find us on Instagram two black girls one rose tiktok all the places so grateful to have 
you two on our show. We're, we're so grateful to eventually be on your show. We'll talk about Fuckboy Island yes. or whatever it may be. We'll figure yes. it out. Yes, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> and to all of our listeners at home, what did you learn from this conversation? Why don't you leave us and two Black Girls, One Rose a rating and review in Apple Podcasts? Five stars for both podcasts, please. And in the <laughs> body of the review, give each of us something you learned from this episode. Maybe that you learned that there's a show called Fuckboy Island. That may be a learning <laughs> for you <laughs> or something deeper. So thank you all for being along for the ride. And we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay Datable. The Datable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes. And most importantly, stay Stay dateable.